Hi, everyone. Welcome to Enjoy the View, episode one, real episode one. Yeah. Might, it might look like episode two, but, but the first intro episode was just not, not our thing. We're, do, we're done talking about ourselves, but uh, everyone's here. Judy, Cam, Jay, and topic today, current market outlook. We will uh, take some time to kind of unpack what's happened over the last eight months and then um, have some comments about uh, the finish of the year. Safe to say volatility is here to stay. Longest bull market of all time. It's been, it's been crazy. We've had uh, you know, ups and downs and, and flat periods, but that's right. Volatility is a headline. That's both those massive swings up, massive swings down. And, and it's important to remember not to fear volatility, but embrace it and, and look for opportunities within it. Volatility uh, after a really calm 2017 uh, we've had a number of days up 350, down 400, uh, swings in the market, leaving us basically flat since the end of January. Um, and I think what that leads to is there's just confusion in the market, and the confusion are, are certainly the, the headlines of um, the tailwinds and headwinds that are coming at us from the political front and, and obviously the economic side. Yeah, and when you look at the growth that we had this year, uh, the small amount of it, it's it's mostly a handful of tech stocks, these these great names that are carrying that load. But when you look at the vast majority of companies uh, in the S and P five hundred, you know it's it's been not as great of a year as it might seem. No, so I think what uh, in in looking at uh, where this market is headed, maybe take a minute and, and talk a bit about what. Um, uh, what's been helping uh, push it on those good days, and maybe what's what's uh, what's sending it on the downside um, when when it becomes a bit chaotic. And you know, one of the things that is not just all about tech stocks is uh, earnings. We just finished our second quarter of banner earnings. The S and P uh, up over twenty percent in terms of earnings growth year over year from last year. Um, you start to add to that the fact that the U.S. economy is growing over, at least the second quarter, growing over 4%, um, and unemployment hovering around just under 4%. Um, the, the tailwinds of those economic data points um, are certainly strong, really strong. You add a, a real estate market that has been holding steady, consumer confidence that is high, and um, uh, an interest rate environment that, even though rates are starting to um, head north, they're doing it in a measured way, 25 basis points here, 25 basis points there. So those, the earnings growth and GDP growth, especially here on the domestic front, certainly is adding fuel to, um, to this market. And it's one of the reasons we're at all-time highs. Yeah. But there's also a wet blanket over the market that's, that's preventing it from popping to where we might think it would when we look at those numbers. And that's these headwinds that are kind of going against it in, in, in stopping or stunting that growth. Um, and that includes, you know, the political uncertainty, obviously, that we see in, in the environment today 
and, and the tariffs and, and trade tensions that come with that. Um, but also, when you take a look back at those great economic numbers, uh, it, it leads to an environment where we're in late-stage recovery. So yeah. we see these peaks in, in earnings and in revenue and um, in manufacturing, and, and that leads to a, a more sensitive market because of the uncertainty that that's going to keep going up forever. It's a, it's a cycle, so those aren't going up forever. It's no, going to eventually come back down. Yeah, it's a great point. So the economic data points that we touch on, whether it's housing or interest rates, uh, earnings, they're all looking in the rearview mirror. So they're all looking back a month, three months, six months, and kind of telling us what has happened. So the market's looking ahead and trying to figure out, are we going to push up 10%? Or are we going to go in a corrective phase down 10 15 18% if those headlines, the, the neg- not so much negative, just but, but the uncertain headlines um, continue to, to populate? And the three main ones right now, uh, midterm elections. Complete uncertainty there and a lot of focus on political, potential political change. You add the tariffs and, and, and trade war conversation to that, more uncertainty. There's a third headline. Uh, it's, it's, it's a boring headline, but it's an important one. And that's the yield curve and, and um, how that's affecting markets. And maybe we can jump into that. Yeah. First. And, and the, the headlines that you see on the yield curve are, are generally fear-based um, as a recession indicator. And it can be at times, but that's not necessarily always the case. And it's important to understand what the yield curve is. Um, So basically, when you look at a yield curve, you've got a 10-year interest rate and a two-year interest rate. And it's the difference between the two. Uh, You call it the difference. You call it the spread. Right now, it's right around zero. So that difference is is kind of generally a flattened yield curve at zero. Um, and it, it can go negative as well, which would cause an inverted yield curve. Um, but it's important to know not only what it is, but you know what that generally means uh, for the economy. Yeah, and so the logic behind an inverted yield curve as a recession indicator is it's, it's pretty simple. It just means if long-term yields uh, are lower than short-term yields, then the market view is that growth is going to slow and a potential, a potential recession is, is looming. Um, in a normal environment, you'd have that 10-year. So if you're buying a 10-year bond, it would be paying much more than a two-year. And that's just not happening right yeah. now. Yeah, you would expect to get paid more um, for committing to that longer period of time. Um, but, but also, it's not always a recession indicator, like we're saying. It's, uh, there's times where you've got a period of years between between that inversion or flattening of the yield curve uh, until a recession. Yeah, for sure. So if we know that we're in late stage recovery and and, and we have uh, trade tensions out there and you just kind of talked about the yield curve, you know, why not just go to cash? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's there's really two answers to it, two sides of the, of the answer to it. One's more broad and one's a little more technical. Um, on the technical side, you have, you have those statistics historically when you look at environments such as the one we're in now um, with a flattening yield curve, with peaks in earnings, with peaks in manufacturing. These kind of environments lead to the headlines that, that are recession indicators looming. 
But when you look back historically, there are there's periods of time between these indicators and a recession, and that that's generally but you know two, roughly two years, yeah, two to four years, know. and there's significant I mean, growth. It, it can be months, it can be years. What you don't know is the timing of it. But I, I think about it this way: um, if if we have the a an economy, especially a global economy that's expanding like it is, unemployment uh, in check, interest rates in check, all the things that we touched on earlier, you, you don't go from 4% GDP growth to negative, uh, negative um, quarters back to back and dump into a recession overnight. It happens over time. So it's, it's similar to like if you're following baseball and the Red Sox are having an amazing season like they are now. Um, you know, their trend line is winning. If they lose a couple games or some negative, negative things populate, it's not like they just fall off a cliff and go into last place. It, it, it is a longer period of time. Yeah. And on a more broad-based note, uh, to answer your question, why not go to cash? When you look at an investment philosophy as a whole or a financial planning philosophy, you want to stay invested long-term. You don't want to get in and out and try to time the market when you see um, environments economically that we're in right now. You, you want to stay invested long term. Um, and for example, here, here's kind of a crazy stat. If you missed 10 of the best days in the last 20 years, your return would be basically cut in half. You know, it's right around half the return during that time. And that goes to show you can't time the market. Some of the best days are directly after the worst, and you, you want to stay invested long-term. Well, that's definitely been the case uh, over the two great recessions, 01, 02, 08, and 09. But even if you think about 2011, um, 2011 was the last real bout of volatility that we had, and the market corrected north of 18, or, uh, yeah, north 18%. Um, on events that we weren't prepared for. And that typically is what happens, is you get an event like Japanese tsunami that knocked out the power grid and um, pretty much shut down their economy for months. Um, you have the European Union with um, a financial crisis that populated in the Mediterranean states during that period. And so th those things all started to line up um, and created a, a fallout in the market. But if you were to have sold during that period, you would have missed one of the best bull runs we've had. Yeah, it's, it's nearly impossible to time it. Um, so we, obviously we're not going to flip to cash during this right. time, but we're also not going to just sit on our hands and do nothing. Um, you know, we want to tweak strategically, um, you know, based on what we're seeing in the, in the economy. So what typically works when we're in an environment like we're in now? Yeah. So if the, if our outlook is we're in late stage recovery, volatility is going to continue. There's political confusion, um, and really kind of beware of what we don't know. We just saw that populate in the last few weeks with Turkey and and a potential currency crisis there. So if those are our headlines and um, our our outlook for the overall economic situation that we're in, then one of the best moves to make in this environment is to add quality to the portfolio. And what I mean by that is move maybe more toward value, uh, low volatility, high dividend payers uh, on the equity side. Definitely don't run away from growth. We love our growth names. They have been the catalyst for major returns for the portfolios over the last years. But we just want to prune those down 
make sure that they're rebalanced properly and add maybe a little more um, quality and, and, and low volatility to the strategy on the equity front. On the fixed income side, we definitely want to make sure that our bonds and fixed income investments are short-term in their duration and nature. Because if, if rates begin to rise or continue to rise, um, we want to make sure that, that, ca- that those bonds are close, uh, close to home, but not just in cash. Right. That's great. Um, so before we wrap it up, we want to hop into our Enjoy the View segment, which we'll do each episode, uh, highlight maybe some of what we're doing uh, for fun, enjoying the view, some of our clients. We're what not they're enjoying doing. the view right now because there's about yeah. 20 wildfires uh, closing the view for us. Yeah. The other thing is you haven't heard much from Judy yet, but you will because she's going to take over on the Enjoy the View segment because she's just back from vacation. Here you go, Judy. Hello, everyone, and Jay and Cam, thank you for the time off so I could actually go on vacation. (laughs) Anyways, I went to the Wallawas, which um, that is the northeast corner of Oregon, and I went on a camping, hiking trip, and uh, a lot of people refer to that area as the Oregon Alps. Um, You get some of the higher peaks in Oregon up there, and uh, you get some pretty good vertical right out of the gate. So um, it's a really beautiful area, fun to go on some solid hikes, and did not get bitten by a rattlesnake Good. or attacked by a cougar. So a lot of tapping on the rocks on the trails yeah. <laughs> to warn them that we're coming. Awesome. That's, well, that sounds like a great place for our East Coast clients if they're visiting uh, Oregon or, or the Pacific Northwest to, uh, to take some time to, to visit. Um, so I'll tease you with our, our next episode. We're going to dive into disruptive innovation, uh, not just on the tech side, but also um, biotechnology, obviously the medical field, alternative energy, and we'll be digging into uh, art- artificial intelligence, big data, and trying to figure out if it's too soon to invest in that category or maybe it's a good opportunity for long-term investors. So. Thanks again for listening to our podcast, and as always, we hope you enjoy the view. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The economic forecasts set forth in this material may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. Mm -hmm.